you know, it's, it's, it's so exciting to share the Word of God with you. And, and I'm, you know, we've been going through this series, and we're going to go back over to Second Peter, the first chapter, and that's where we'll start tonight. And my desire is that you grow in the Word of God. And, you know, if I were to gauge whether or not I did a good job was whether or not someone gained something out of it from the Word of God. And whether we tapped in the Holy Spirit, whether I was able to share my heart with you and, and for you to grow as I'm growing as well and we grow together, uh, that, that means a lot to me, doesn't it to you? And I know you're here tonight because you do want to grow. I'm, I know that you're here tonight because of God in your life, because of Jesus, your Savior, your Master, your King, your love and your friend. And, you know, it, it's, it so amazes me. I was listening to, I, I'm not even on my notes. I may not get to those tonight, but we'll, we may wrap it up without getting to it, but that's all right. You know, I was hearing a testimony of someone who's come into the kingdom. Someone was sharing a win in our staff uh, huddle this, maybe it was this morning, yesterday morning, but uh, sharing about someone who really didn't get it at first. Came on staff, but he really didn't get it about these Christians, you know. He was a qualified professional that fulfilled what we needed in the ministry, apparently. And, but, you know, him coming to work for the ministry was a slippery slope. <laughs> and uh, he slid right in, gave his life to Jesus, been serving the Lord. But at first, I, I, you know, I, I sometimes forget about those out there that they say, I just don't get it. I don't get the drive. I don't get the passion. I don't, uh, I, it's hard for me to see why you folks are driven like you are. It's because we've met Jesus. It's because he's real in our life. It's because Holy Spirit is real in our hearts and confirms with our hearts that we are sons and daughters of the King, the Most High God. It's because of something real. And if you're looking for proof, look at how that impacts lives. It's the real thing. It's the real thing. Jesus, he's the real thing, not Coca-Cola. So isn't it exciting to walk with the Lord? And, and, and it's so exciting to me that, that the Lord sees past all of our flaws, all of our infirmities, all of our shortcomings and our weaknesses, and he continues to pick us up when we falter. He continues to help us get back up when we've tripped and stumbled and bloodied our nose, right? And he says, come on, keep going. Take another shot, keep going. And that's what this is all about with Peter, you know, going to the Lord. When, when he wrote this letter, the Lord had shown him that he was going to be coming home soon. And he spoke to him and said, listen, I, I think it's fitting that I continually put you in remembrance of the word of God, though you know it and are established in it. But I see it fit to stir you up. And what that spoke to me is that you and I, at times, we know the word of truth. We're even established in it. It's in our hearts. It's in our psyche. It's what we believe. It's, it's what we stand on. But how many of you know it's one thing to know it, another thing to walk it out? Right? And so as we get into the Word tonight, and I challenged you last week, I mean, you know, my, what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to get your motor started. You're the one that's going to have to press the accelerator. You're the one that's going to have to keep adding to your faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and and charity or love you've got to take it from here and go somewhere with it right the word of, and i know that you are i mean you're here right and you've shown up so anyway let me quit rattling let's go over to second peter the first chapter and in ver, in chapter one look at verse four whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. He's talking to 
Christians. And he's saying, you can be a partaker of the divine nature of God. Now, have you felt like since you got born again, you ain't got it all together? (laughs) Have you ever thought, well, maybe God's got something more for me. I could be doing better than this. I could be walking better than this. I could be experiencing God's divine nature. That's what he says. Having escaped the corruption, which we have, that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you. They make you. Now I want you to get this. You're thinking... I don't know if I can pull this off, Lord. I don't know if I can do it. The Lord's giving you some definite practical steps toward growing in him and experiencing the kingdom. He says, if you'll take these steps, these steps in and of themselves, this word, what God accomplishes in you through these steps, it will develop this in you. So you won't have to worry about it. All you got to focus on is doing what the Lord tells you to do. Are y'all with me? Okay, it says they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you read early on in the chapter, you'll find out that the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is where you find the treasure and experience the blessings. Amen? But say, I don't want to be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will be fruitful. Amen? And so he says in verse 9, But he that lacks these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know, one of the symptoms of someone that has fallen is they've forgotten who they were. You ever been there? I dare say there's folks that they forgot, said, listen, I'm better than this. You found yourself in a situation. You found yourself in a way of life. And you, and one day you wake up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm better than this. I'm a child of the King. I had forgotten who I was. Amen. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. The Amplified says you'll never even stumble or fall. Boy, I like that, don't you? I've done enough stumbling around. I don't like it. I figured that out. How about you? So I asked myself, what kind of person do you have to be in order to never stumble or fall? One thing that I've discovered about this world that you and I live in, there's, there's a lot of trip hazards. <laughs> if you've ever worked in quality control and you've worked in some situations in the, in the business world, there's a lot of trip hazards around. That's why OSHA, OSHA, depending on where you're from, got established was to help eliminate some safety issues and but there's a lot of trip hazards that's why these guys moved all this so the old guys don't fall on the stage (laughs) and i appreciate that (laughs) you know i mean you know um, the older i've gotten the further it's gotten to the floor and so that means it's further to get up if i fall so i appreciate that they moved all the trip hazards but this world has a lot of trip hazards and the thing about it is if we don't have our minds renewed to the word of god to know the word of God, we won't recognize the trip hazards or the snares of the devil. 
See, once you discover what a trip hazard is, you'll have your, once you stumble on something, you'll look for it next time. But see, that's why it's so important that we grow in the Word of God, that we recognize who we are and who our enemy is and be wary or wise in what he does. He's been around a while. He's sharp at trying to trip you up, pushing the right buttons to make you fall, things like that. Are y'all with me? But see, we need to renew our minds. And so what kind of person do you have to be to never stumble or fall? And the next question is, can I be that kind of person? I pray that when you walk out of here tonight, you'll be able to answer that question. Maybe you, you've floundered with it a little bit. Maybe you've had some challenges with your life and, and you've fallen. You get up, you fall, you get up, you fall, you get up, you fall. It's like, man, when am I going to figure this out? And you may have looked in your weaknesses and say, man, am I ever going to get over this? Am I ever going to gain on this? But it's through the word of God to bring that revelation and that answer to you. And you've got to answer that question. Can I be this person? Why, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Let me answer it for you. <laughs> so here's what we've got to do. You've got to realize two things. The bottom line is God's word is true. You've got to settle that in your mind. You've got to settle that in your heart. You've got to settle that in your psyche that God's word is true. What he says is true. I don't care what you're thinking. <laughs> right? Say, Lord, help me in my ignorance. And the next thing that you've got to learn is that you're never going to progress unless you do something with what you have right now. So with that being said, as we've gone through this study somewhat, I hope that you've seen some areas of your life where you say, I need to shore this up a little bit right here. I need to work on this right here. You know what I'm saying? And, and exercise your faith. So the way that in second Peter one, five, it says, exercise your faith to develop virtue. We found in the King James it says, add to your faith, virtue. Now amplified says, exercise your faith to develop virtue. So that means you've got to do something with what you got to, you have right now. And as you exercise that, you can step to the next level. We've been covering that. Are y'all with me? Amen. And so, you know, um, if you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Stan, I like the old King James stuff. Okay, add to your faith virtue. Add it. That means like, layered, I'm going to add with what faith I'm walking in, I'm going to add to that good choices, wise decisions, making wise decisions. I'm going to add that to it, and that's going to be my building block to the knowledge. I'm going to add that, and I'm going to add the knowledge. Temper so however you get there, get there, okay? <laughs> so faith, and I'm, I'm going to have to hurry. Because I, uh, I'm going to have to get through all these things. I, I mean, I, I'm one of those long-winded pastors. I, I wanna, don't want to leave you hanging, but I've got to cut short some stuff. Listen, let's look at faith right quick. I'm going to touch on these four real quick. And we'll jump into the last four. There's eight different step levels. So in 1 John 5, verse 4, it says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Backing up to verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also that was begotten of him. So, it's covering a couple of things here. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. How many are born of God tonight? Hey, glory to God. You got that one. That was good. That was an easy answer. Okay. But now did you notice in verse four that it said whatsoever 
whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. So the thing about it is, and I, I've shared with this before in teaching, I'm not going to go there and chase it down, but I'm, I'm thankful that God gave me the faith to get saved by. That my faith in God is of God. I didn't even come to the Father if the Holy Spirit hadn't drawn me. <laughs> Are you, you know? And so if my faith in God is born of God, then my faith overcometh the world. Okay? If my love, listen, we, well, we can't go there. I, I believe that we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. I believe that one of the facets of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. I believe that we have love on the inside. And, and I believe that, you know, by, the, by what God says I have on the inside, I have the love of God on the inside of me that I can't say, I don't know if I can love that person. <laughs> Are, have you, okay, I'm not going to go there. You probably, you probably have somebody. Don't tell nobody tonight. Say, I don't know if I can love this one. But if my love is from God... Born out of God, then my love overcometh the world. And if my life, the very life that I live, the air that I breathe is born of God, then my life overcometh the world. Are, are you seeing what I'm trying to put into your mind? That you're more than what you see when you look in the mirror. Your, your life, everything in you is born out of God, the life that you live in God and discover that I'm of God and my life is to be lived for God, then it will overcome the world. A world can't overcome me. Amen. Amen. So what's the best kind of life that you and I as humans can live? And when I start looking at things like that, I, I think about the capacity that we have, what defines who we are. You know, a knife, a knife is a knife because it has the capacity to do what? turn screwdrivers, turn screws and nuts and bolts and dig out stuff. No, it's, it has the capacity to cut. That's when it's at its best. And you and I, what I find in looking the word of God and living my life is realized that you and I have the capacity for rational, virtuous decisions that we can make right choices for our life. You and I have the capacity for that. God's given us the capacity. That means tonight you can choose how you're going to act. <laughs> That's kind of slangish, but you can choose to live for God, to live with God. You can choose to be a better person. That's awesome, isn't it? So what's the best kind of life for us to live is to live to the fullness of what God has put on the inside of us, to be who and what we are in him. What were you created for? Has anybody ever asked that question? What were you created for? Well, I'm only limited in what I can tell you about that. If you want that answered, you've got to go to the creator. <laughs> He's the one that created you. He knows what he designs you to be. But I do know one thing that you're not created for. You're not created to be a loser. You're not, amen, you're not created to be a stumbler. <laughs> God doesn't want that for you. Virtue, the quality of doing what is right, avoiding what is wrong. You know, because after you believe God, then you've got to make choices. After you start building your faith, you've got to make some choices about your life, what you're going to do with your life. It's the quality of doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong. Knowledge, it's more, um, it's not just memorization, it's revelation knowledge. In Second Peter, the first chapter, listen, I believe it's the knowledge that brings grace and peace to us. I believe it's the knowledge that multiplies grace and peace into our life. How many of you want more peace and more grace? I do. 
Amen. Second Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And see, all of these steps are transforming steps. They will, when you get that revelation knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and that everything that's been given to you that pertains to life and godliness, it will transform you. That's the kind of knowledge that we're talking about. Proverbs 8, 12, I love this. You need to write this down and go and study it out. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The NLT says, I, wisdom, live together with good judgment, good judgment, sound choices. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. You know, making these proper choices leads you to more knowledge and more discernment. It's not just head knowledge. The Living Bible says wisdom and good judgment live together. What is good judgment going to be based on? The Word of God. You can make sound judgment based on the Word of God. Sound choices, sound decisions live together. For wisdom knows where to discover knowledge and understanding. Then we went into temperance, which is basically self-control. So knowledge helps to produce or generate self-control or restraint. It's like the shock collar of the spirit. <laughs> Some of us need a little jolt of sanity sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And I shared that with you last week and I, I love the story. Don't have time to tell you. You'll have to go back and listen to it. But I, you know, when you have the knowledge that something's going to bring about a certain ending, then you can have some self-control if you don't want to go there, right? Amen. Amen. So temperance or self-control, it's just part of our life. It's, and listen, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 6, 12, write that down. There's some things in this life that can simply just hurt you. Hurt you, even as the children, children of God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. That means it's not to my advantage. Not all things are to my advantage, although they be lawful. I could do it, but it's not advantageous to me. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Some things are lawful, but they can control your life. And, and listen to the, the Living Bible. I love this. He, he says, even if I am allowed to do them, whatever it might be, I'll refuse to if I think they might get such a grip on me that I can't easily stop when I want to. So you got to keep this in mind. There's some things that could be lawful, but it could harm you. It can control your life. How are you going to be an overcomer if there's something controlling your will? Come on. <laughs> oh, Pastor, come on now. What is it? Okay, I see these articles that, that say they show a great picture of a, a cabin on a, on a lake or river and say, if you had... Uh, live here if this place was given to you and you live here for a year without watching the nfl would you take it yeah what if they said not have a cell phone okay some of you old timers probably could but hey I, I, have you ever left your cell phone at home and come to church like man i just oh my word i left my cell phone oh my word what am i gonna do i got my to get list on there i go shopping i go to and i left my list on my cell phone Hey, Stan, can we get together? I don't know. Let me check my calendar. Let me get my cell phone out. You know what I'm saying? 
<laughs> have, you ever, have you ever thought about fasting from the cell phone? Lord forbid, Pastor. Now, come on. Didn't the Bible just say food? <laughs> so, that cell phone not going to send me to hell, but it could control your life. It could control... Amen. Oh, my temper's not going to send me to hell, but it might cause you to live alone because she may get tired of that. <laughs> my laziness not going to send me to hell, but it might cause you to live alone as well. Because you need to be bringing in the bacon or something like that. My cussing, my cussing just, it's okay. Pastor, I know you cleaned up your vocabulary, but that ain't going to send me to hell. It... <laughs> It might get your mouth washed out in soap. Of course, that's age relative. It might be a slap across the face. I've had those where you said something right quick, mom done knocked you to the ground before she knew. Or a switch. I know, I know that wasn't the right thing. I know. I, I had. <laughs> or if you got older, it might be the look. Men, have you ever got the, the look? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you said something and you got the looks out. Oh, my word. Can I come stay at your house tonight? <laughs> so, you know, there's some things, though. I know, you know, it, it's funny, but you think it's OK. But it controls your life. How about that cold Mountain Dew, Reese? <laughs> I could get up and bust out a cold Mountain Dew before I could crawl out of bed if Kathy would let me. Nothing better than a cold Mountain Dew. We had to get this service over with. Patience. <laughs> I mean, how are you ever going to get to patience if you don't have self-control? Let's look at the definition. Patience. Bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. Manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. Not hasty or impetuous. Steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Okay, let's go to James, the first chapter, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance or patience. The, the testing of your faith. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Oh, my word. Patience. There is an area of maturity where the Lord wants to take us, and you can't get there any other way except through patience. You can't arrive there. You can't go around it except through patience. There's a level of maturity and experience without perseverance. You have to let perseverance, because it's doing a work in you. It's bringing some maturity to your life. And if it wasn't if this Christian life were a bed of roses, we wouldn't need instruction on how to have patience. Because there's things in this life that are trying to knock us off course. And you're not going to bear fruit without patience. It's just a necessary thing. But the Lord says it's good, so count it all joy. Because we sit around with patience and think, oh my word, come on, Lord, come on. Just like Christmas morning. Come on, we got to get in there and get open us gifts. Come on, come on, come on. Well, that, I'm, I'm patient, I'm patient, Lord. I'm patient. Yes, I'm patient, Lord, but would you please hurry? 
Come on now, you know what I'm saying? But the Lord's trying to grow us up. But listen, you can do all the right stuff up to a certain point and still miss the harvest. You can take all these other steps. You can plant the right seeds. You can speak faith over it. But if you don't have patience, you could be digging it up. You could still miss the harvest. Luke 8, 15. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Hebrews 10, 3. For you have need of patience that after, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You have need of patience though, so that after you have done the will of God, you receive the promise. So many people want it the other way around. Lord, you bless me, then I'll do your will. Come on. God said after you do the will of God, then you can receive the promise. A lot of people, God, just bless me. You bless me, then I'll... Lord, if my ship comes in, I'll start tithing. That's an all familiar one, right? No, you won't. If you're not faithful in the little, you won't be faithful in the much. Amen. Everybody say, I love Pastor Stan, and I mean it. (laughs) All right, James 5. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is? For the autumn and the spring rains, you too. Be patient and do what? And stand firm. I can stand firm because I have developed my faith, made right choices. I've gained knowledge and understanding, and I have self-control. So I can stand firm on the Word of God and wait for God to come through. Because the Lord's coming is near. So patience is something to do with mixing all of these other steps and levels and accomplishments together to step to the next level. And that's godliness. Let's read the definition. Having, showing, or expressing reverence for a deity, spiritually whole or sound, of unimpaired innocence and virtue, free from sinful affections, pure in heart, godly, pious, irreproachable, guiltless, acceptable to God. Well, this is the simplicity of it. Expressing reverence for God Man, if you're having a wall-eyed fit, you're not expressing reverence for God. You don't even think about God. You're not even thinking about the consequences. We're talking about temperance, self-control, right? If you had not even made it to that level, how can you do that? Amen. But godliness, let me say this, it's an attitude really of Christ-likeness. Spiritually sound, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. Spiritually sound, it's an attitude of Christ-likeness. It's not just the way that you carry yourself. It's the way that you look at life and other people. It's the way that you approach life and people. Are you hearing me? The maturity and the completeness that's wrought from patience brings a level of Christ-like attitude and maturity. You know, and, and, and Psalms 32, there's a lot of places in the Word of God where it's talking about the believers and it's, it's referencing them as being the godly. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to thee in a time when thou mayest be found. That's the New American Standard. 
Now I say that each believer, the same word, he's talking to the same people, believer, the godly, he's referencing them, should confess his sins to God when he's aware of them. While there's time to be forgiven, judgment will not touch him if he does. He's not saying by being godly that you're being perfect. You're a believer, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have this, you've built to this attitude of maturity where you consider and treat God with all respect and honor. Amen. And then when you goof up, mess up, go to the father and ask for forgiveness. Amen. We just need to act like who we really are. Second Timothy, the third chapter. Listen to the, the New Living Translation. Listen, there's just so many trip hazards in this of the world, and it's talking about the last days. It says you should, he's telling Tim, you should also know this. He's instructing him, you should be aware of this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. You do know the last days started when Jesus got here. Amen. There are scripture after scripture that reference we're living in the last days. Now, I believe we're in the latter of the last days. <laughs> but they started with Jesus. Now, look at the descriptions. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Now, let me tell you, this has been around since this time, since he's telling Timothy this, people have acted like this. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and have no interest in what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. So in those, just those few verses there, it seems like it's more compiled now than it has ever been that I've heard of since my childhood. Now look at verse 5. They will act as if they are religious. Whoa! Are you talking, Lord, are you talking about church folk? Church folk act like this? They'll act like they're religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. They would reject the power that would develop in their hearts a respect for God, a fear for God, an honoring of God, a maturity to stand on the Word of God, to have patience in time of adversity and challenges, that in everything that comes against you, you'll give thanks and honor to God and bless God. Because why? Because there's a power at work on the inside of you, growing you up, developing you. Because of the word of God that abides and lives on the inside of you. I have the life of the Lord, the life of God on the inside of me. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And the power that comes from that changes my life. And I don't want to reject that. I want to lay hold of that. The kingdom of God is surging forward. And and the violent, the strong people will lay hold of it. I want to lay hold of that. I don't want to reject the power that would cause me to live a Christ-like life. I'm not perfect, but we can live more, be more, experience more in God, and please God. Oh, glory to God. They'll reject the power that can make them godly. And what does he say? You must stay away from people like that. 
I've been around preachers that say you cannot live godly in this life. And I'm, I don't want to go there because I don't want to offend anybody. But they'll by the words, and they don't just say it just like that. But it's like they're not giving me any hope of being better. <laughs> they're not giving me any answers to accomplish and progress in the Lord. Man, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more we, than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. I don't want anybody telling me you're nothing more than a worm. You were a sinner before and you're a sinner now. I might have some sin, but I am not a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been born again. The blood of Jesus washed away the sin seed in my heart. Don't tell me that. I got the Holy Spirit confirming inside of me I'm a son of God. Oh, praise God. Man, I'm about to get excited. But his powers at work on us telling us you can be more. If you came here tonight and you've questioned it, so what's the use? I've gone to church for years. What's the use? I've failed. I've floundered. I've fallen so many times. The Lord says, get back up. Get back up. You can do this. So God's power can work on the inside of us to live godly before him. And what we would say about that in Texas is that God's power can work on the inside of us so that we'd act right. Okay, y'all didn't get that like I got it. Come on. Living godly, let me put it in Texas talk, live right, do right before the Lord. <laughs> so God can work greater qualities in, in us beyond what we could ever imagine. Brotherly kindness, I'm hurrying, and that's basically loving others and not being self-centered. Boy, we could definitely grow in some areas there, couldn't we? Not being self-centered, able to express brotherly kindness. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. First Thessalonians 4, 9. But as touching brotherly love, you need that need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Now listen, all the other building blocks before this one, did you notice they were all turned inward about something on the inward part of us? The patience, the godliness, knowledge, all of those the making the right decisions, virtuous decisions, and godliness, that's all. But we had to get those done in our lives so that we could turn outward and truly walk in brotherly kindness. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, you'll find out what love is. Wonderful. Galatians 6, 2 talks about bearing one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. And that first part is weights that, that take you down. I mean, man, we need to be helping one another. We need to grow not just for us, but for someone else. We need to help them bear the burdens that are weighing them down that they can't bear. We have our own burdens that we carry, our smaller burdens. It's a different word in the Greek. There's things that you, you are responsible for in your life. But you know, there's other people around us that need us. We need one another. We need to grow up so we can help one another and even recognize when they're hurting, when they're down. It's a new commandment that he gave us to love one another. And think, the thing about it is, he said that you love one another so they'll know you're my disciples. Listen, we're not to be uh, known by our wealth, our learning, our fame, earthly honors. Even we're not to be known by our special style of clothing. Or your, uh, here's where I'm really going to call us, maybe, by the way you do your hair. 
What hair? You got that, brother? Come on. <laughs> the way that people are to recognize that we're children of God is by the love we have for others. One another. To mature that level. By tenderly and constantly loving toward one another. How much? He said the same way he did. He gave his life. Okay, I've got to jump down to the last one because I'm just I'm out of time. <laughs> Charity. Charity. Now, I want you to go to Romans 8, 28. And this is the scripture when I was reading and studying. And the fact that it didn't make sense to me at first is what drove me to the book of Peter. The Holy Spirit taking me as I, as I began to read this passage. It drove me to where we are today, and I'll get back to that in just a moment. But let me read the Scripture. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Called. Now, I'm going to feed your faith a little bit. Verse 29 and 30, as you were, if you were to read on. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So he knew us in advance, and he chose us to become like his son, the New Living Translation says, and he called them to come to him. Now, I, I just a quick question about that, and we've got to move on, is I, I see people who get real, uh, what is the word? I, I'm, I need the proper, they get real driven with theology. They get real, what's the word I'm using? They, the, huh? Theological. It's the call on the end. Theological. People get real theological. And they say, well... That's positionally. We were seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are the first. He's the first one among many brethren because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And in heaven I am righteous and holy. Yeah, but what about actual? Does that not have anything to do with now? Did he not have any desire for me to grow now? He called me to do something, to be something more. Because, see, he, he, he called us, but he justified us and made us right. If I'm right standing with God, I can go to God and, and take my petitions of prayer. And if I pray according to his will, he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I get the petitions I ask. So it can affect my life now, not the sweet by and by. Are y'all following my logic? When I'm studying the word of God and I read this, I'm thinking, man, that don't make sense to me. Surely there's something for me now. Doesn't he want me to be Christ-like now? Oh, okay, I'll take a challenge to getting offending somebody. But listen, when I'm told, hey, you're nothing more than a sinner saved by grace, you're never going to be anything but a sinner. But wait a minute, he justified me. And I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means I have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. I am right standing with God. He called me to be Christ-like in this life. Not perfect, but I'm striving for it. And so he gave me the practical steps of how to get there. I, you know, have you ever heard preachers say, man, all you need is faith. Well, if you just tell me how to get it, I'd do it. <laughs> 
And when the Bible says you, you need to be Christ-like, show me how to do it. Peter told us. He said, I think it fit to, to put you in remembrance, to stir you up. Because if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be an overcomer. Oh, glory to God. So let's go back to verse 28, Romans. Here's where, this is what drove me to this. Because it says this, for all that, that all things work together for the good of them that love God. And I'll be honest with you. I looked at some of the things, I thought, well, that sounds good, but some things don't look so good. <laughs> Lord, are you going to get mad at me for saying that? That don't look good. I've seen situations that I just have to trust God in because, man, it don't look good. I've had things happen in my life, and it didn't look like it was working for good because it, it was looking bad. So it drove me to study. And it said, Lord, Lord, you know I love you. Now, loving other people, that's the hard thing. You know, walking in this brotherly kindness stuff. Come on now, Lord. But you know I love you. But what? wait, brotherly kindness is almost a, sta a stage before walking in love. Okay, so when I started studying that out, it says, and for those who love God, well, that love there, it, and, I, and I, I, I broke, I, what do you call it? I, broke, I cut my teeth on the King James Version. And it said love, but it didn't tell me what kind. I mean, they never did describe, you know, you had to really push and dig for context and you had to buy you one of those big old strong concordance that you couldn't read or those, those you know, uh, yeah those things and tell you the Greek Hebrew and what it meant. It was hard. And then I found out that meant agape love. And I thought, wait a minute, agape love? Agape love is abounding love. It requires nothing. When God loves us with his love, it requires nothing on my part for him to love me. A flail love and a friendship love, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You do me bad, I'll turn and do you bad. As long as we be friends, you do me right, Okay. Are y'all with me? And the agape love is the God count of love. And, and when the Lord took me over to Peter, I realized that it's, it's a building process. The agape love is rooted in faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. Before I can ever reach and walk in the God kind of love, I, there has to be a change in me to actually love people like God loves them. And when I love them, and I walk in that love and that understanding, that comprehensions. I got different eyes the way I look at things, Amen. the way I look at people, but how I look at situations. I realize that he's given me authority over the enemy. Are you with me? Yes. Don't you, you realize that, right? Amen. We need to stay here another hour for me to show you a few of those scriptures. No, we don't have an hour. <laughs> uh, but see what I've realized He's given me authority on this situation. And even when I don't understand it, I can count it all joy because God's working behind the scenes. And also, he says, in all things, in all things, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He didn't say for it. He said in it. How do I give God thanks in it? Because I know that God's working behind the scenes. He's hearing my prayers. He's moving on my behalf. Oh, glory to God. So what that means is I start dictating to my circumstances. They don't dictate to me. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand.